Vivian Marcuse, licensed by the Department of Financial Institutions, NMLS ID 237926. Also licensed in Arizona, 09415504. Florida, LO76508. Georgia, 69178. Idaho, Nevada, 57237. Oregon, Tennessee, 184373. Texas, Washington, MLO237926. She's a mortgage mom. She can get things done. When you're in need and don't know where to go, pick up the phone and call mom. All right, so welcome to Mortgage Mom Radio. I'm Debbie Marcoux. I am the Mortgage Mom, and I am bringing you everything that you guys need to know about real estate and mortgage. So what do we do? We could bring you guys all kinds of education and information about tons of topics that are going to either help you get into a home, save your family expenses, cash flow better on a monthly basis, everything you can think about and different ways to utilize your home for those resources. One of the things that we're talking about, well, actually the only thing we're talking about today is solar, home solar. I know we've talked about inflation. How can we try to get our expenses down? How do we get the budget down? Today, I've got Matt Stoutenberg with Peak Power on with us. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing great. Thanks for the invite, Debbie. Oh, you are very welcome. I am so excited to have you on. I did a show about a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago, and it was about solar and it was about, you know, whether you should buy or lease, but there's actually three different options available when looking at solar. So you've got your power purchase, you've got your lease, and then you've got your just regular outright purchase. And I thought it was really important that we actually kind of cover those three different options. How do each of them work? And then at the end of the day, which one do we feel is best or would what would we recommend? So I do want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you today about, you know, getting the solar put on, trying to do things to save in other ways as well, like heating your pool. We had a quick conversation about that before the show started. So we'll jump into that thermal. Um, people trying to maybe get electric gas instead of, you know, stoves instead of their electric stoves instead of their gas, um, trying to go to electric furnaces, trying to do everything crazy electric to try to save because of these solar panels. So we want to touch on that as well, because that doesn't necessarily work out uh, the way that you might think that it would. So I'm so happy to have you on. You are the uh, expert when it comes to solar, and I'm really looking forward to all of your information that you can provide. Um, I do want to tell you and I want everybody listening to know that this is an interactive show. So right now we are actually streaming on YouTube, Facebook and Twitch. So one of these days we are going to do a loan for a gamer on Twitch and you might actually end up doing some uh, solar for somebody on Twitch. But we are an interactive show and anybody watching us do this live stream. Uh, via any of those three uh, social sites can actually ask us questions and I can read those to you and let you answer them. So if I interrupt you at any point in time, um, that is why. And then again, everybody out there watching and listening, please tell us that you're there. Tell us, say hi. And if you've got questions for Matt, please ask those questions. So the first question, um, actually comment came in. Uh, Cindy says, cost of gas and electric is so high. Great show idea. Thank you. So I, I really think right now during this time and all of the inflation and the costs of every utility getting more expensive, this is really a good topic for all of my listeners to hear. So Matt, Peak Power, you guys are out of Orange County. So let's start there. What are your service yep. areas? Because you came all the way down to me in northern L.A. County and did my house. So give us your your area, your range. 
So I'll give you the, the quick resume rundown. I, personally, I've been in the electrical industry for 35 years, started Peak Power 20 years, 22 years ago, and uh, been doing electrical and solar, primarily solar since about 2005 or six. We have actually serviced all over the state of California, but I have since reduced that scope to pretty much the grapevine south to the border and from the water, the ocean to Blythe. We've got several installs in Blythe. So pretty much all of Southern California we primarily like to service what we refer to as investor-owned utilities, which is PG&E, SCE, and SDG&E. Uh, for example, LADWP, Anaheim Department of Water and Power, those municipalities don't always work out as well with solar because they have different rate schedules and rate structures. Okay, so actually to explain that um, better, so I have a couple questions and then to kind of explain it better. So basically, every single electric company is going to give back to the homeowner a certain amount for the energy that they're basically selling back to the, the uh, utility, over, right? Overproduction. Right. That's what you're referring to is called net metering. And that is uh, based on overproduction. So a lot of people have a, have a misunderstanding that think that the utility is paying them for all the solar that's being produced, but that's not the case. So your solar is on, on your house. If you put solar on your house, you're avoiding charges from the utility because you're getting the power from the solar. And if you overproduce at any point of the day or the month, the meter goes backwards and you receive credit at a retail rate at this point in time. Now that is something that is changing they're trying to reduce or eliminate the net metering uh, incentives for new customers going forward. That was a vote that was scheduled for January 27th of this year that got uh, heavily protested against and therefore they kicked that vote that can down the road, but it is something that's coming. So as far as people that are listening right now that are thinking about solar, it's definitely something that you want to be looking at seriously sooner than later, because once that net metering incentive changes from net metering 2.0 to net metering 3.0, it will require the installation of a battery to store your overproduction. Okay, so so what? this is huge, right? So basically, what if you are already, like I am already a solar customer, so am I grandfathered into what was agreed upon or am I also yes. going to lose that? Okay, so for right that's now- a 20, That's a 20 year net metering agreement. So if, if you just started your net metering uh, program, it's from the date that you got permission to operate from the utility for 20 years. You'll be on net metering 2.0. When that 20 years is up, most likely you'll need to install a battery to store your midday overproduction so you can discharge that battery in the evening during the expensive time of the day, 4 to 9 p.m. Gotcha. And those batteries are not cheap. They're like 20000 for one battery, and you probably need like two or three of those batteries, right? Um, it, it, yeah, you're you're definitely in the right price range depends on the size of the house and the consumption and the size of the system will determine whether you need more than that but uh that twenty thousand for about a ten thousand watt battery and here's another misconception a lot of people think that the battery comes with power in it so to speak it does not it's just a storage tank and you need to fill that battery with energy that either comes from your solar system or from the grid or a combination of both Okay, so so let's go back. I just want to kind of recap. So number one, you want to make sure that if you're doing solar and you've been thinking about doing solar, you're jumping on it right now before there is a bill passed that says that we're not going to get the same kind of incentives moving forward from the utility companies for the overproduction on our homes because that is one right. of the biggest uh, discounts that we're getting or, you know, uh, 
I mean, healthiness, it's really, right? Net meter, yeah, net metering is really what has made solar come alive in California and made it pencil out financially. The net metering incentive started in January of 2004. They transitioned from 1.0 to 2.0 in September of 2016, I believe. And we've been on set, uh, net metering 2.0 since then. And now they're trying to transition to 3.0, which it will take. Th the, the original proposal was going to be three quarters of a year transitioning from net metering 2.0 to 3.0. They basically phase out of it. Okay. Okay. So, and, and, but we need to make sure that in order for it really to truly make sense is that you need to make sure that the utility company in your area, because again, this show is all over the nation. I've got radio stations in Seattle and Las Vegas and California in different areas that you may not be servicing. Right. So one of the right. important things for our listeners is to know whether or not their utility company is giving what kind of incentive that they're giving for that net metering because i know i'd had a conversation um, with mike from your company about a client that i had in san gabriel and he said it it wouldn't make sense for that client to go solar because it wasn't um that uh, you know that power company wasn't giving the same kind of incentive for you know the production of the or the overproduction of the solar so anybody listening even in a not southern california or in another state um what is it that they ask when they're starting to do the research should we or should we not get this solar well a lot of that there's kind of a multi-leveled question right there it isn't necessarily all related to net metering but the, since we're on that topic the first question would be you know what are the current net metering incentives in place for that utility and then understanding what the rate schedules are and what potential rate benefits there may be to switch from maybe a, a for example, in Edison territory, you go from a domestic rate schedule to a time of use rate schedule, which benefits solar. And then another thing is if somebody doesn't have enough usage, then solar doesn't necessarily pencil out. If your electric bill is realistically less than a hundred dollars a month on average, we're taking the whole year and dividing it by 12. A lot of people, you know, might have a big electric bill two or three months of the year, and then it's low the rest of the year, that may not pencil out, even if they are in an investor-owned utility area. So we typically look for people that have an average of $1,200 a year or more, then you'll start to see savings creeping up. Uh, it, you know, we've got customers that have a $1,000 plus a month average electric bill. And when that happens, if they've got enough roof space available, we can show a dramatic savings in electric costs. Okay, and if somebody that is listening to my show wants help getting over to a solar company that you, you know, or a, somebody like you, like Peak Power, but not in your service area, do you have mm -hmm. a network of other companies that you could, you know, refer them to that you feel comfortable with that, with the referral? Or how would you, how would you tell them to start reaching out or looking or trying to find someone to talk to that, you know, would be reputable that, you know, like how, where, 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 where do they start, you know? <clears throat> yeah, that's a little bit of a difficult one to answer. Yes, I have network of friends, but I don't of other contractors like me in different areas, uh, New York, but not every state even pencils out for solar. So I don't have any one source. And then there's there's really no shortage of places you can go on the Internet and and uh, start seeking out information. Unfortunately, there's a little bit of a double edged sword there because a lot of times you enter your personal information and then all of a sudden you've got data sold all over the place and you're getting bombarded by telemarketers. So that is a caution, cautionary term right there. 
uh, don't just be filling out forms online because that will come back to haunt you. Um, but there are CalSIA, for example, California Solar Energy Industry Association is a reputable solar friendly and battery friendly organization that is promoting real the real business, the real business model. Gotcha. Okay. So we are going to take a super quick break. And when we get back, like I said at the beginning of the show, I do want to jump into what is the difference if we can all try to understand power purchase versus lease versus buy. So um, we're going to take a super quick break and then we'll be right back. All right, and welcome back to Mortgage Mom Radio. I'm Debbie Marcoux, and today we are talking with Matt Stoutenberg with Peak Power. He is uh, handling all of my solar needs, and he can possibly help you with yours. So uh, the first thing that I want to do, Matt, is we haven't done this yet, but how do they get a hold of you if they want to call you? Maybe they are in another area or an area that you don't service, but maybe they could try to call you first and see if you do have a friend or a buddy doing the same thing as you in their area. Uh, How do they get a hold of you? Obviously, I'm happy to help anybody that is out of our service area, but, you know, feel free to reach out. You can find us online at peakpowerus.com, just as it sounds, P-E-A-K-P-O-W-E-R-U-S.com. We also have uh, another site called info.peakpowerus.com, and you can reach us at 714-258-3900. Any one of those will take you right to us. Perfect. And I do want to remind everybody it's an interactive show. So if you guys have questions about solar, please feel free to put that in the feed. If you guys are watching right now, say hi, tell us that you're there. I would be more than happy to read that out loud. So um, once again, we're talking solar today and what we're going to get into right now, I think is the important stuff because everybody hears all of the different options. There's numerous companies that are doing it. There's the power purchase, the lease, and then the buy. So where do we start and how do we compare, Matt? So let's bifurcate this into two categories. You've got uh, third party owners, which is not the person in the house. And then you've got single owner, which is the person in the house. So for example, a third party owner would be a lease or a power purchase agreement. Um, Both of those are investor owned. They do not add equity to your property. They do add complication to a refinance or a sale, even though they may tell you that they don't, they do. Um, Sometimes you don't even save money. I'll break down the difference between a lease and a PPA, but now let's go over to the you own it scenario. You can do it with your own funds. There are financing options, zero out of pocket that you are the owner, uh, that you get the tax credit. And then there's obviously home equity, which is really your best bang for your buck because it's a secured loan and you can write that interest off and you've got other other benefits. So I lean towards the ownership without a third party owner involved. Finance it, pay cash, refi your house, whatever you can. That's your best bang for your buck by far. If you're in a situation where you do not have a tax appetite, for example, you're on a fixed income and you're not paying tax, and maybe your electric bill doesn't really show a return on investment, then a lease or a power purchase agreement is is an option that you can still save some money. Now, the difference between a lease and a PPA or a power purchase agreement is a lease and a PPA are virtually the same thing other than the lease is a fixed payment the same every month. 
And a PPA is based on the energy that that solar system will produce each month at a certain cost per kilowatt hour. This is coming across okay so far? Yep, I'm following. I like it. Okay, so a lot of times, here's some of the things to watch out for with a PPA. A lot of times, homeowners live a what I refer to as a restricted lifestyle. They don't run the air conditioner as much as they'd like to. They want to get solar so they can run the air more. Uh, a, P, a person selling a PPA might say, well, what the heck? Let's just give you more. It's We're selling at a discounted rate anyways. They oversize the system. And now that homeowner is actually paying for more electricity being produced than they're actually consuming. So there are some cases, especially with a PPA, where the person's paying more for solar, even though they're using more electricity, they're paying more. So that's one of the pitfalls to a PPA. Uh, another is and refinancing. The PPA, yeah. Well, just to remind everybody, PPA is a power purchase agreement. So that is right. something that you guys will hear out there as an option. So I just want to remind everybody, because I kept hearing you say PPA and I knew you were going, and I'm like, acronyms sometimes will get us all a little bit confused. So PPA oh, is the power purchase agreement. Yeah. My apologies. I thought no, I no. did say power purchase agreement. No, I'm okay. sure that you did. I'm sure that you did. But I was already starting to lose you for a second since solar's not okay. my you know, that's not my territory. It's not what I do every day. So I just wanted to kind of remind everybody yeah. listening what, what you were talking about, where you were at. Here, here's another good way of, of categorizing these options. A lot of times I'll ask people, what is your roof worth? And then right away they think what it costs to replace the roof material itself. But really the question I'm asking is if that was blank real estate in Southern Cal sunny Southern California and you were an investor what is that real estate worth to an investor who's looking to produce electricity? A lease or a PPA, really what you're doing is you're giving an investor free real estate because they get an easement on your roof and they put the solar panels up there and they sell you that power at a discounted rate. So the long-term yield of a lease or a PPA to the investor is about twice what you would pay if you purchased the system outright with a loan. Okay. So wait, so let me back up. I just want to make sure I'm hearing you that, that I'm getting this right. So I own my house. I own my mm -hmm. roof. It's mine. It's, and mm -hmm. somebody is going to come in. They're going to use my roof, mm -hmm. not pay me to use my roof, put their equipment on my roof. They are going to give me a discounted cost on the energy. So it's not that the panels are supplying enough to cover 75% of my home's needs and I'm paying the 25%. They're just giving me a discounted rate on the actual energy used and they can, I'm giving them an easement, which means that I'm giving them access to my roof whenever they want it. That's correct. You nailed it. Now you did mention discount a couple times, but I yeah. like to, I like to preface that with a perceived discount because many times leases and PPAs also have an escalator and that escalator is designed to make the front end of the deal look like you've got savings but it's gonna go up 2.9% per year over the term, usually 20 to 25 years. And if you do the math and amortize that out, it's gonna come out substantially higher than what your current cost per kilowatt hour is. So these are some of the reasons why I'm not a fan of leases and PPAs. Obviously you can, you can tell right. um, by what I'm saying, but uh, in most cases, I'm not a fan. There are some cases where it is the right and only way to show somebody a savings in specific situations. Gotcha. Well, I, I don't really like that. Uh, you know, I, I don't like that. I'm not, act, it, I don't feel like it's my roof. It's my panel. It's my energy being created. 
I get the option, right? It's my choice whether I want to overproduce and feed it back to my utility or if I want to overproduce and store it into my own battery, you know, and whether one makes sense or not, or one is better than another, that's a whole nother day in conversation. But sure. I, you know, I feel like when I, it's being leased, I'm giving somebody else permission to my house, to my roof. They're, t- they're getting all of the production that my roof is making and I don't really have control over it. So that, yeah, great, that bothers me. Great, great point. And, and control is a really big word there where a lot of people don't realize that this whole energy industry is very dynamic and there are changes. And I've been doing this for 20 years. And what we were doing 18, 20 years ago is totally different than what we're doing now. And when somebody signs a PPA or lease agreement, they're locked into that agreement. You can't add to that system. You can't change it. Uh, it is what it is. And five, 10 years down the road, you might find yourself going, wow, you know, our lifestyle has changed. We bought an electric vehicle. We want to make some changes. But then you go to the leasing company and they say, nope, sorry, you signed that lease. We've locked that thing up. It's, it's now been sold as a security to somebody else who's receiving the yield on that lease. So, um, yeah, you're locking yourself in on a lease or a PPA to something that is a dynamic industry and you may want to change. Where on a purchase side of things, people, people get solar based on their current lifestyle. They put in a pool, they get an electric vehicle and they say, hey, I want to add some panels to the system. You know, our electric bill's gone up. What do we need to add? And in that case, we add, you know, two, four, ten, whatever amount of panels are necessary to accommodate that increased lifestyle. And that's totally doable under a purchase with ownership versus a, a lease or a PPA with a third party owner. So that was going to be my next question. If we have anybody listening that is in a power purchase or they're in a lease, do they have any kind of opportunity at all to buy out the panels or, you know, get out of what they're in? I mean, are they literally locked in and there's nothing that they can do? It's really difficult. Yes, you can buy your way out, but really what you're doing is you're prepaying the yield to that investor over what they would receive over the long term. So it's a real bitter pill to swallow if that's what you're actually going to try to do. Now, when they go to sell the home and now they've signed this lease and it's for 20 years or 11 years or whatever, you know, whatever that number is that they're signing, I'm, I'm guessing it's 20 years mostly, right? Typically 20 to 25 years. So there they are go, some 30 even. Yeah. So they go to sell the, sell the home. They can't sell the home unless somebody else comes in and takes over the lease. So even the new buyer now is going to be locked into that lease or is there a way for the buyer to get out of it? Um, the buyer. So you got a couple options there. Let me see backing up. That's why it's another negative because that new homeowner may not want that lease. And so in some cases, it drives your buy, your prospective buyer away from that home because they go, geez, I don't want that lease. And uh, the other house over there has a purchase. I'm going to take that one. The lease solar, again, I know I mentioned this earlier, does not add property value or equity to the house because it's owned by somebody else. Um, in a purchase scenario, okay, that's what I was going to say. With a lease or a PPA, it's just like having another utility. You can't pay it off. You know, you can't pay off your Edison bill, but if you have a a loan, for example, but you own it, you can pay that loan off typically with no prepayment penalties. And now you have no loan payment and your electric bill's gone. That does add equity to your property. And typically those loans are transferable. Most of the time, what I find in a real estate transaction with a lease or a PPA is the buyer tries to get the seller to pay it off 
out of their pro out of the equity and proceeds of the home. The seller tries to negotiate with the leasing company to get that done and really ends up having to just pay that solar system off early to keep that buyer engaged in the transaction. So they're basically paying the electric bill for the buyer. Right. Wow. Oh, I yeah, don't like it. All right. So <laughs> no, that's I feel we, like that's why we stopped doing them. Cause I, I felt like a subprime lender after years of doing that. I was like, this is just not good. Right. I don't want to take these calls from upset realtors and homeowners that are realizing what they got themselves into four or five, seven years down the road. Yeah. Well, I'm really feeling like we're, we're, we've answered the question of what is the best option? Should you buy power purchase or lease? And definitely in my mind, I'm thinking buy is the only way to go. I think that is the most important part. Um, for everybody that is watching the show right now with us doing it live, uh, you guys just want, I want you to hold on for a minute. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to let everybody by radio who's listening on Saturday or Sunday know that we are coming back, but you have to watch the rest of the show on my YouTube or Facebook channel. Um, this is actually the end of our hour and the hour is over, but I don't want to get Matt off yet because we haven't talked about what do we do when we start adding electric vehicles and what can that solar really handle and how do we know how many panels we need and all that good stuff. So um, there's going to be an extended version. If you guys want to go to YouTube and watch the show, you guys can find that. Um, it is you know Wednesday at 1 p.m. on Mortgage Mom Radio and you guys can finish the episode there. Um, but for for now, I'm going to say goodbye. Matt, one more time, give us your telephone number in case anybody wants to reach out to you at Peak Power or best way to get to Peak Power to talk about their electric bill and getting that solar started. Yeah, peakpowerus.com is our website. You could also go to info.peakpowerus.com uh, as a separate info page, or you could call directly at 714-258-3900. And guys, remember, he's handling everything from uh, the grapevine, bottom of the hill, right? All yep. the way down to the border of Mexico. So all the way down yep. south, goes straight down the five. And he's hand going all the way, uh, what are we talking, east-ish? Ocean to Colorado River. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're going all the way out to Blythe. So that's, yep. that's a pretty huge area. And if you're looking for an area that is outside of his air, you know, service center or service, I don't know, I don't even know what you guys call it. Um, uh, just service make sure you, there you go service area just make sure you give him a call maybe he's got somebody he can refer you to and if not he'll give you some ideas of what to search in Google to find the right person for you but we're going to take yep. a super quick break and again if you guys want to hear the rest of the show head on over to the YouTube channel so that you can watch us do the rest of it Matt stay tuned for me we'll be right back All right, welcome back to Mortgage Mom Radio. Today I've got Max Stoutenberg, I'm sorry, Matt Stoutenberg with Peak Power on with us and we are talking all about home solar. Uh, this is the this is the fun part of the show. This is, you know, it's it's off radio. We can kind of be whoever we are. We can say whatever we want. So this is the cool part. Um, but what I really want to ask you, this is what I want to get into is now I've just put solar on my home. I'm super excited. Just bought a brand new house in October. Um, it was a much larger house, almost double the size of what my previous home was. I had no idea what to expect as far as electric bill went. My 
first couple of electric bills, which were winter. Okay, we moved in. Um, we closed at the end of October. We rehabbed in November and December, and we moved in the week before or the week of New Year's. So we really, I mean, other than having contractors in there working, we weren't living in the home, running the heat, running, you know, a lot. Um, my bills have been $500 a month before the heat starts, right? Before yeah. the air conditioner is going to run, um, every day, all day long. Right. So I immediately, I was uh, that that's it. I mean, we're going to have thousand dollar bills come, you know, June, July, August, it, it, solar is the way we've got to go. There's, there's no choice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I get super excited about this solar. I do. I'm, I'm, I'm a baby. I have to have my pool hot. I won't sleep. I won't even get in it unless it's over 80 degrees. So I'm going with the thermal, the pool thermal to make sure I, I don't have the gas bill uh, to heat the pool. And then I get really excited and I start thinking, you know what? I think I want to add um, an electric stove. I want to make my furnace electric. I want to make my, uh, you know, water heaters electric. You know, I'm just thinking this is the best way to, I mean, I can just get rid of utilities, right? So I, I want you to talk a little bit about that because I know we started to talk about it at the beginning of the show and I just want you to kind of set me and everybody else mm -hmm. straight on you know, what should, whoa, slow down. Yeah, your horses. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a, a lot of people uh, have a mis misconception or misperception of solar that once they've got solar, they've got this unlimited source from the sun that's just spilling into their house and they can they can convert everything to electricity. But in reality, most solar systems are designed specifically to offset the existing lifestyle or consumption of kilowatt hours in that home. And uh, it's pretty typical for people to size a solar system based on a reduced lifestyle. What I mean by that is they're not running the air conditioner as much as they'd like to because the electric bills so much. And then after they get solar, they're like, hey, we got solar, crank the air, let it run. And then all of a sudden they get an electric bill and they go, hey, wait a minute, the solar is not working. When in reality, the solar is doing exactly what it was designed to do. They've just exceeded the capacity of what it was sized for. Uh, so taking into consideration any lifestyle changes that you plan to make on the short term is good to do when you're putting a system in for the first time, but systems can be added too. Uh, and the reason why I say short term is because a lot of times people say, well, you know, I'm going to want to get an electric vehicle at some point in the future. So why don't we go ahead and put solar on for that also? And when they realize or learn how much solar an electric vehicle actually consumes, and that they don't plan on buying that electric vehicle for maybe six, eight months or a couple of years, it's, it's not good use of the money to put solar on your roof that you're not going to consume on an annual basis. So that being said, backing up a little bit, uh, the other thing is electricity is, and, and heat are enemies. Um, you don't really want to heat things with, with electricity if you don't have to. And if you've got gas in your home, gas is by far a better way to heat water in a tankless water heater or in a tanked water heater, uh, a gas stove. Now, I think that's a cooking preference, really, whether you like electric or gas. But from an energy utility basis, gas is by far cheaper to heat with. Same with a furnace. Heating your home with electricity is very expensive compared to heating it with gas. So converting all of your gas appliance to electricity after you've got solar is, uh, is really kind of a no-no unless you have sized for that conversion before you did that solar system. Otherwise your, your gas bill is going to go away and your electric bill is going to go through the roof. 
even with solar. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I said, I mean, my house is a pretty decent sized house. And when I was talking about, you know, what our our consumption was, and then I started talking about, uh, uh, you know, getting the charging system in there if we got an electric vehicle. And, you know, then it was like, well, we're going to have to get rid of the pool thermal to put more, you know, that we need that space for those yep. additional panels for that electric, you know, for that extra electricity. And mm. I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to save a lot more money with the pool thermal than with, you know, the electric uh, vehicle charger. So, um, yeah. you know, I, I, you know, I, for, for, for your audience, let's make sure that they know that there's two different technologies that we're talking about here. Yes. Solar electricity panels do nothing for heating the water in a pool and pool thermal panels do nothing for your electric bill. They are two totally separate systems that operate completely separate from each other. Another thing that a lot of people wonder is, can I just get solar that just goes to my pool pump? It's not designed that way. The solar systems that we're talking about on this program are called grid tied solar systems that go right to your main electric panel. So any device that is pulling power from your main electric panel, example, pool pump or car charger, the solar system is feeding that device. So in effect, it's indirectly powering your pool pump. Right, right. So. But the thermal, so explain to everybody how the thermal works, because trust me, I have a child that needed swim lessons this uh, winter. And that way, you know, I didn't have to worry about him going out the door and falling in and drowning. And um, it was beyond, beyond my wildest, what it cost me to heat my pool for two weeks with the gas. So um, tell everybody what the, the pool thermal is, because I'm super excited for mine to come in. I'm, I'm waiting like with bated breath. <laughs> so pool thermal is, uh, if we're talking about return on investment, you're gonna see a very rapid return on investment with pool thermal, because what you just described, for what it costs you to heat your pool for two weeks is what you're gonna get from pool thermal, your a typical return on investment is about 12 to 18 months, depending on pool size and location and roof specifics. Um, but really the technology is very basic. It, you, you're just pumping the water during the filtration cycle. You're pumping it up on the roof into panels that are small veins of black matte plastic, and they're absorbing the radiant heat from the sun and heating the water, just very similar to like the garden hose laying on the front yard and you go to take a drink out of it and it burns your mouth. It's mm -hmm. that it's that level of technology, you know, just basic stuff. And then it pumps it back down into the pool. Or the opposite could be the jockey box that has a bunch of ice in it. So the beer from the keg is rolling through <laughs> the coils, getting cold right. before it comes out. Right. Right. Um, right OK, so right. that makes sense. Actually, I didn't really know what it was. I just heard keep your pool hot, not use your gas bill, pool thermal. And I said, please install. <laughs> yep. Yep. Now, solar electric is not using the heat. A lot of people think, oh, Arizona, Las Vegas, it's really hot there, solar, solar electric must be awesome. In reality, heat is the enemy of solar electric. You really want a, a really good solar day is, is a light breeze, cool temperature, and a lot of light, right? Because it's converting the light or the lumens to electron flow. So it is not a heat thing, it's a light thing. So separating those technologies, the water heating is using the heat from the sun to heat the water. The solar electricity is using the light from the sun to convert it to electricity. Gotcha. All right.
So is there anything, Matt, thank you so much. I mean, honestly, this was such a great show. I think it gives a lot of education to people that are thinking home solar. I can tell you, I can kind of recap what I got out of all of it. And then I want you to tell me if I missed anything or if there's anything important that we do discuss before I let you off the hook. Um, but number one, I heard that uh, things could be changing with the uh, way that you are getting um, paid back or credited uh, from the different utility companies. So if you've been thinking about home solar, uh, possibly start looking into that right away. That way you get grandfathered yep. in based on your contract and the savings for you. It sounds to me like it's going to be pretty cons con uh, considerable with where it would go in the, f in the future. So that's number one. That was the first kind of take I took from our, our conversation. Yep. Yep. Now's the time. I'm not a super create sense of urgency type uh, guy with this, but if, if people have been waiting for, it, the cost to come down and everything, you know, technology to get better. The technology is really in solar graduating at a very slow rate. It's not like computers and things like that. So if you're waiting for the sweet spot right now is the time. And I'm not saying that to sound salesy when it goes from net metering 2.0 to 3.0, it's going to be not as good of a scenario. It's going to negatively impact the industry as a whole. It's not going to go away, but it's going to cause solar systems go up in cost significantly because we have to put batteries in. Well, I'm gonna actually put a sense of urgency on it because we've talked about for the last two months, the inflation, the expenses going up, gas is up, utilities are up. I mean, our water bills are higher, our gas bills are higher, our electric bills are higher. Uh, so yeah. I'm gonna actually put that sense of urgency and say, hey guys, if you've been thinking about doing this number one, look into it first and make sure that it does make sense for you because like you mentioned earlier in the show you know if your electric bill is a hundred dollars a month you're probably not the candidate for solar on your home but when your electric bill in the winter is five hundred dollars a month like me uh you are a candidate for solar so um definitely don't, you know definitely. don't yeah, don't hesitate. Look into it now. See what you guys can do. It is about a cash flow. It is about a budget. It's about affording things easier monthly. And the best way that you can do that is to start right inside your own home with where can you cut some of those utility costs. So um, I am going to put some urgency on there. Uh, number two that I learned from you today is that buying is definitely better than the power purchase or the lease options available with solar. Again, yeah. you did mention that there might be a couple of people that would possibly um, benefit from the other options, but it doesn't sound like that's going to be for the majority. Did that's I correct. get that one? All right. Um, you got that right. Yep. All right. I like it. If you are in an area that is not actually participating or maybe giving back as much for the overproduction, it may not be beneficial for you in your area to do the solar. So again, talking with somebody about it, researching the option, making sure that you live in an area where you're going to get the most for, you know, the cost is going to be a really important thing. So really fast. Um, you guys can put together for somebody with like how many power bills would they have to send you in order for you to show them what the difference would be between having solar and, and what they have today? So in an ideal world, we like to get 12 months of historical kilowatt hour data from somebody. If they don't have that, we, we really like to see six months because we can build a realistic lifestyle trend off of six months. Um, less than six months then we're having a conversation about agreeing on a number that both people think is a realistic 
amount of usage. So 12 months is ideal. Six months is kind of minimum. We can do it with less than that, but we prefer not to. Right. Gotcha. Okay, perfect. So you guys are going to research it, look into it. If it makes sense for you, then you guys are going to reach out to Matt. Uh, Matt, one more time, give them your your website, your phone number, how they contact you. And I really do hope that you guys get a bunch of calls. Remember, if you're listening to the show and you want to figure out how to finance it, Matt does have financing options. But you guys can also, like you mentioned earlier in the show, you guys can use your home equity. We can talk to you about that. We can talk to you about getting cash out of your home to pay for the solar and to get the system installed but matt give us your contact information one more time and then we'll say goodbye peakpowerus.com or info.peakpowerus.com or you can call us at 714-258-3900 all right awesome matt thank you again so much for coming on doing this with me you were fabulous i might have you on again in the future uh, to talk about maybe some changes things we didn't really get to today Um, I'm sorry we went over I told you like 25 minutes and it was definitely longer than that but I really do appreciate your time and and all of your information well we could probably talk about the subject for about two or three days straight and not repeat information so 25 minutes is just scratching the surface right absolutely well thank you again Matt so much and uh, we will definitely have you on again and guys I can't say it enough if you have questions you want to know if solar is right for you check out peak power they did a fabulous job for me I'm very very happy with their service and I think that you guys will be too. So with that, we'll see you guys all next week and we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you. Debbie Marcuse, licensed by the Department of Financial Institutions and MLS ID 237926. Also licensed in Arizona, 0941504. Florida, LO76508. Georgia, 69178. Idaho, Nevada, 57237. Oregon, Tennessee, 184373. Texas, Washington, MLO237926. She's a mortgage mom. She can get things done. When you're in need and don't know where to go, pick up the phone and call mom.